Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. Amen. Turn around to two, three, four, five people and tell somebody he's the Lord of the flies. He's the Lord of the forest flies. Forest flies. I can't talk. He's the Lord of the flies. Isn't that a book? Yes. Amen. He is the Lord of the flies. I heard a very interesting fact this morning. I heard a very interesting fact this morning, or this week, that a fog that covers seven city blocks is composed of one glass of water. The amount of water that is probably less than this bottle right here, but according to the Bureau of Standards, but you knew there was a Bureau of Standards, not this guy. <laughs> a dense fog covering seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet is composed of less than one glass of water. That's pretty amazing. The amount of water that causes the fog is divided into about 60 billion tiny droplets. Yet, when those minute particles settle over a city and over a countryside, they can almost blot out every single thing from sight. Something so small, a glass of water, can cause such confusion and blot out that it cannot even cause people to see clearly. Hang with me, somebody. The lack of clarity created by the fog it can be a, uh, quite the sight or it can be quite the havoc it can create accidents on a road or a, 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 a highway an interstate if you will uh, it can cause this an amazing amount of people to slow down to stop to alter what they normally would do because of a lack of clarity we find that that same thing of something so small can create a lack of clarity is applicable to people and even in their very own situation and they may not see it. See, we find in our text in Exodus chapter 8 a very fascinating story. Turn to someone and say, I know all about the story. I know all about the story. Amen. And in that story, what we know is with them and with the nation of Egypt, if you are unfamiliar with that story, they are in a state in which they cannot see what is clearly in front of them. For in Exodus, 
We are introduced to God's plan for God, uh, for, for people and, and God's people. And I'm here today to tell you that if you're unfamiliar with that, it is the second book of the Bible where God begins to find and deliver his people out of bondage to say, hey, they're not going to stay in that situation. It would right now be very applicable moment to remind us in this house that God has a personal plan for your life and for his people. Somebody say amen. amen. God has a plan for mankind and the plan of God is salvation and no one is too far from salvation. Yes. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, for God has not us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus, the Bible says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, not just some people, not just special people, but for everybody, God has a plan. God has a plan to bring people out of that. It is not the will of God that anybody should perish. But the Bible says, but all should come to repentance. Amen. Everybody. Amen. Everybody. Or how they say this out, everybody. It's your southern twang right there coming in. Everybody is applicable to the plan of God, to salvation. Well, what is the plan of God, Pastor? I'm glad you asked for that. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let me be very clear this morning. It is not exclusive. But it is specific. And there's a difference for that. Too many people mix those things up and says, oh, why would God put a, a line like that? Why would God put such specifics on that? Well, anybody can do it. It's not exclusive, but it is specific. So much so that when the Jews asked Peter in Acts chapter 2, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to wash away your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we find that God has a plan for his people. God has a plan for you and me this morning. God has a plan. Uh, and he says, hey, everybody's welcome. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you followed the plan? Have you followed the plan? Amen. Hopefully you have followed the plan of God. Hopefully you have followed what God has for you in this day. If not, today's your day. Can I get a witness? Somebody say amen. amen. If you have not done those things, uh, God is saying, what are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get those things right. But let me continue on. We find in Exodus chapter 8, we find that Pharaoh and Egypt are in quite a predicament. And if you've got your Bibles, you're interested to watch the plagues and how they come down for the, the plagues and, and we find Exodus is filled with shadows and filled with all these different examples of what is 
happening throughout uh, uh, the Bible. We find that, that there's shadows of, of Satan and there's shadows of sin and there's shadows of the world. And Egypt is this shadow and Pharaoh is this shadow. They're examples of these things. And what we find is, is, is they want to hold the people of God uh, that they have taken. They want to hold them captive. They want to hold them in bondage. And they refuse to let go. Can I get a witness from somebody that that's kind of how sin is? That it wants to hold you captive. That it doesn't want to let you go. That right, there's things right, that will right. keep trying to pull you back in. Even when you got up out of that, it will try to say, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I want to bring you back into that sin. I want to bring you back into that old habit. I want to bring you back into that old behavior, into that old attitude. But that's just how the world is. And that's how sin is. And sin says, I'm not going to let you go. And yet we find that they are holding true and holding fast to not letting God's people go. They are anti-God, and yet God uses Moses, the man of God, to lead the people out of Egypt. I don't know about you, but you ought to thank God for a man of God in your life. I know I pray for my pastor every day. I'm thankful for a pastor. Amen. I'm thankful for my pastor who corrects me even when I may not agree with that. And I, I may be a little tough, but I'm thankful for a pastor in my life. Can I get a witness yeah, somebody? Yeah, amen. Everybody needs a pastor. Yeah. yeah. Not just a preacher. Mm. I didn't think I'd get a lot of amens on that, but you know what? I'm just going to stop right there and drop this for free, Brother Mike. You know, the, the reality is a lot of people like a preacher, but they don't like a pastor. Right. Mm. Wow. They want to preach to me, Pastor. Tell me, tell me what I want to make me go. Wow, give me something. And it's kind of like I always feel like you, the performer, right? Right? Where they say, "Hey, dance, clown dance." You're like, oh, "This is what I got today. This is the show. Here you go." But they say, "Oh, uh, don't tell me how to live. I just want you to come in, and I want you to make me feel good." But I don't really want you to, to tell me something I don't want to hear. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'll just keep preaching right by myself. That's a big help and a truth up in here. Y'all aren't ready for that. Mm. That's good. Okay, I'll just. By myself. Here we go. Okay. So where were we? Uh, Moses. Yes. Moses is the man of God. Moses is the man of God who has an imperfect past, who is not a perfect person. Far from it. Can I get a witness, somebody? So much so that if you are not really familiar, Moses does not even get into the promised land because of how he acts and operates out of disobedience in the wilderness. Let me just say that, that this is for free, that sometimes we can't act any certain way and plan to get into the promised land, regardless of who we are or who we think we are or what we've done for God or what we've done in the past for God. God says, no, no, it doesn't work like that. You still got to follow what God has for you. And you've got to line up to the Bible. And so Moses is this man of God and he goes and in this state, even Moses off the beginning, if you do a profile of Moses, Brother Krog, we find that Moses is this guy where, where he really starts off not even on the best foot, right? God uh, calls Moses, he's chosen, and, and I, I get the picture in Exodus chapter 3, we find that God ha has a burning bush that's not catching on fire, and, and Moses comes in, he hears an audible voice, Moses, take your shoes off. I almost said take your feet off. Take your shoes off. For you are standing on holy ground. And Moses, he goes and he says, who is this? He says, I'm calling you to be a deliverer. I've given you a purpose. I've given you a plan. Yeah. I need you to go and to get my people out of bondage. And your Moses says, uh, no, 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 no. 
not me, God. See, Moses had a stuttering problem. And because of that, he said, no, no, I'm disqualified because of my inefficiencies. And don't you know, God, that I've got some stuff in my past. I can't go back there. You may not know this. I know that you can cause things to be on fire. But Moses was, must have been thinking, he may not know that I actually killed the guy. And I'm a fugitive in that place. And you want me to go back to where I am a fugitive? Hello? This doesn't make sense. Anybody else catching the fiction on this? Hey, God, I know that this is what you're saying. But have you considered these things right here? And so Moses is automatically trying to get out of God's plan and get out of God's will. But God says, no, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. In spite of what you think, in spite of the logic of how you're aligning it together, I've got a plan for you. Can I preach to somebody in this place? That God's got a plan for you in spite of how you want to disqualify yourself, in spite of your past, in spite of what you've done. God says, hey, don't worry about the logic. I'll take care of that. I just need somebody obedient to go and follow the plan of God. Amen. And so we find that Moses finally relents after even getting his brother Aaron involved. And God is upset by this. And now he is in the middle of the situation. And get the picture, there's 10 plagues. Now, I know you all are big studiers of the plagues of Egypt. Can anybody yell out a plague? Does anybody know a plague? This is like Bible. This is like Sunday's. Welcome to Bible study with Pastor. Come on in. Anybody, anybody yell out a plague? Lice. Lice. Good job. Yes. Anybody, that's a nasty one, right? Of course, go right for the nasty ones, right? Frogs. Frogs. Yes. Water blood. Actually, that's good. Man, the Williams are actually reading my notes. You know okay, so what's interesting is those are actually one, two, and three. Okay, which is where I was going because we're at the fourth play. Spoilers. Flies. Just good, good, good. Now we're just ready. Yeah, flies. I would have guessed someone would have shouted flies. Hello. I gave you the open. You just can't help some people, right? Help somebody out. Right, Robert? You can't help people at the wow. I gave them the answer. No, McFly. It was what we read. Okay. Jane, let me continue on. Now, watch this. So for if you're not really sure about the plagues, there's four plagues. Uh, well, there's ten plagues, but the fourth one is the flies. But the first one is that we know that the Lord turns uh, the Nile, the water, into blood. And you would think that that would get the attention of, of the people, but no, that doesn't work. And, and Pharaoh says, no, no big deal. The second plague is frogs. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a fan of frogs. Don't like frogs. Don't like frog legs. Not a fan of any frog. So here's what I know. Uh, maybe Kermit's the only exception to the frog rule. But as far as me, I can do without frogs, right? Now, watch this. Frogs are plague number two. Plague number three are lice or gnats. And then I submit to you this morning to focus on the fourth plague, the plague of the flies. Somebody say, fly, baby, fly. Fly, baby, fly. In Exodus chapter 8 and verse 20 and 22, the Bible says this. And if you've got your Bibles, we didn't read this part. So you may want to take a peek at this. I didn't put uh, uh, this on the screen. I should have. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning. And present yourself to Pharaoh. And he goes out to the water and say to him, now catch up. You don't even, isn't that amazing? Isn't that so awesome? You can just read right on this. Oh yeah, go up the water. God tells Moses, Moses, tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to go down to the water. And Pharaoh's going to be down at the water. That right there is amazing. Right? God's saying, not only do I know what's going to happen in the future, I can tell you what they're going to do at the right time. 
and you're going to be there to do it. That's the power of God. Nothing gets by God. God is all powerful, somebody. Can I say amen? Right now, watch this. He says, go to him and says, thus say the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, catch this. Behold, I will send swarms of flies on you, your servants, your people, and into your houses. Now, catch this. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and shall also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, the Lord tells Moses, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies will be there. And you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. The fourth plague is such an interesting and fascinating plague because the Lord says, I'm going to send flies everywhere, but not just flies, not just a few flies. The Bible says swarms of flies. I don't know about you, but that right there just gives me the creeps, right? It just makes me shiver. I'm like, what is that? I don't know anybody that says, you know what? Pastor, I went to the pet store and I bought a swarm of flies this weekend. We, I did a, a fly farm. <laughs> Has anybody ever seen a fly farm? No. In fact, I don't know anybody that collects flies. I don't know anybody that has flies for pets. Anybody, one time I preached something about somebody and somebody texted me and said, actually, I have that as a pet pastor. You said nobody had a pet. You have that as a pet. Anybody have a fly farm, okay? No shame in the game, okay? Okay, just making sure. Okay, don't want to be an offender of people that love flies, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know, ready? Is that I know there's people that have bees because bees produce something. I know there's people who, who are, 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 are fans of other types of animals, but he says, I'm going to send swarms of flies. And as he sends the swarms of flies, the reason he does this is for the plagues. It's to get the attention of the Egyptians, for them to obey the command of the Lord. See, from all sides, there's one thing that is evident, that the Lord confirmed his commands. He said, I want to command it, and then I want to confirm it. Hear me today, somebody. It is hard to believe that the Egyptians did not recognize that this was the hand of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is hard to believe that they sat there and said, how does this guy come and do these things over and over and over again? And yet I don't believe. How could it be? Because they were spiritually blind. It was a fog that is right in front of them. Where to anybody else, to us, it is undoubted when you read the word of God as an outsider looking at the circumstances and looking at the situation to say, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Obviously, God is confirming his word. They're disobeying his word. Boom, thing happens. They're disobeying. Boom, thing happens. Can I get a witness? There's times where God does that, not because he's mean to them, not because he's evil, but because God is trying to get their attention. Kind of like some people in this place. They may even be on your row. Go ahead and look down your row and try to figure out who it is. Just go ahead and throw the shade right now. Now, some of y'all were actually supposed to look down the road, but y'all are just mad judging right now. Let me switch in the Bible to thou shalt not judge. I've got that message over here too. Now watch, watch, watch. They're not getting the picture. They're not connecting the dots. 
They're spiritually blind. And yet the man of God speaks the word and it happens to Pharaoh. Now, what's interesting is, is they can deny it or they can shape it. They can reshape it. And how do they do that? Well, they normally do that, Evelyn, by phrasing it and saying, well, it's just coincidence that it happened. It's just coincidence that that has not worked out the way it was supposed to. It's just coincidence that all of a sudden, boom, that's happening, or boom, doors closed, or boom, all of a sudden these bad things are happening, or boom, this is going on. Can I get a witness on my mm, Yeah. I don't know about you, but one of the great prayers that pastor prays, and if you don't take notes on anything else, you may want to write this mug down. This is going to help somebody. But one of the great prayers that pastor prays is that when there's a bunch of stuff going on, I say, the first place I look is, God, let's look inward at me. <laughs> not at my church, not at society, not at family, not at the person. But I said, say, God, I just want to make sure. Are you trying to get my attention, man? Because if so, your servant is listening. You just speak to me. I, here's what I learned, folks. I'm going to just be real up in here, right? Tell these people they ain't catching this, but they're gonna, this is going to save somebody, right? I've said this over and over. God, you don't have to scream to get my attention. You can just whisper real quick. I'm easy to listen to you. I get it. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I will. Yes, sir. You gotcha. Because here's what I want. God will sometimes continue to escalate over and over and over until he gets your attention. When at first point you could have caught it on an early time and saved yourself a whole bunch of trouble. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna help. Sometimes, I mean, it's just a witness. I mean, you be as stubborn as you want, but I hate to break to you. It's kind of like this. You ever seen somebody and you know, I know the outcome of that? I know how that's gonna go. It's like me and my two year old son, Cam. Okay? He has a very strong will. Thankfully, his dad has just a stronger will. And so there's times where we are going to fight this mug out. It's like this. You want some meat? Huh? You know, that's how we're going down. But here's what I know. I know who's going to win that battle. I don't care how much he cries and how much he screams. He's not getting more Reese's peanut butter cups. It ain't going down like that, dog. I gave you one. You should be thankful I gave you one. I don't care how much anger you get. I'll tell you the outcome. The answer is still no. Don't care. Watch me. And the problem is, is then sometimes I will be spiteful and give his sister an extra one. Just like, because you got a bad attitude, there's one for her. Now what? Keep on. I'll give her another one. Mm. I'll show you, dog. You don't want none of this. I'm the man of this house. You know who's going to win that, right? Now, hopefully that would be the same in your parenting, but I don't always win. I'm just going to be honest, right? Sometimes I take an L. Man, I'm just going to take an L for this one today. But, but, but hear me today. That's how sometimes the Lord is with his children, where there's a battle going on. And he's saying, fine, you can do this, but it's going to cause something to be bad. But if you would just listen. And so God will let you make mistakes. Sometimes to teach you, well, I should have learned for in the future, but also it's a great learning lesson for other people. Like, man, they, they should just listen to God on the front end of that one. Because that's just good pastoring there. That's going to help you out, somebody. Is that in this case, we find that God uses Moses over and over. In fact, 10 times. You want to talk about the Lord is merciful. 
and the Lord is so long suffering. He didn't just say, here's a one and done. He gave it 10 times. Now, if you don't know this, I will skip ahead. I don't have time to go through this. Brother Williams, my timekeeper is probably already giving me, yep, I'm over. Yep, okay, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Give me, let me land the plane, folks. Okay, watch this. Here we go. But I don't have time to go through this. But if you know the 10th plague, the plague is that that's the Passover. That's where the Lord kills the firstborn of the entire nation. But the ones that were not killed, Passover, was when the death angel passed over the house that had the blood that was on the doorpost of the house. Now, now if you, you, you can preach and shout about that, because we know that the blood from the cross, when it's applied to our house, the death angel passes over in our life, Amen. which is Amen. why Passover is powerful, even in the New Testament, because when the death angel passed over, he said, I know, oh, you should have been in sin, but oh, the blood was applied to your life, and I got to Passover, I can't touch that person, because the power of the blood, which is why we used to shout and sing about the power of the blood, but people got creeped out, I said, oh, the blood, those weird Christians, they preach about blood, no, what you don't understand is there's power on the cross, that, that there's things that can't touch you because of the blood that was shed, not by our blood or not by an animal's blood, but because of the blood of Jesus that went to the cross as our Savior to stand in the gap for people that can pass over, that we should be able to say, God, I plead the blood over my family, I plead the blood over my kids, I plead the blood over my finances, I plead the blood over my church, I plead the blood over my friends, I plead the blood over my job, can I get a witness on you want to pray, I plead the blood of Jesus. Jesus, on my situation, I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood over yes. my eyes. I plead yes. the blood over my day. Yes. Hear me today, somebody. I know we don't talk about because it it's tough to get sometimes, but now that I'm here, let me just preach for a second. We ought to pray that all the time. You ought to pray that in your life. God, I plead the blood over my situation. I plead the blood God, of Christ over my day today. I plead the blood over my job. Why? Because when the enemy comes in and wants to kill and to destroy, the Bible says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and can't get no help up in here. I mean, I may have a life and they might have life more abundantly. It's because when the thief comes to try, he said, I can't touch them. I can't touch their situation. I can't touch their circumstances because there's been some blood that's been applied. Let me get back to my notes. Hear me today, somebody. You want to pray the blood over your situation. And, and, and we don't talk about it enough because it's not politically correct and not spiritually correct. And, and there's people that don't understand it. But you want to do a little word study. And, and my challenge to you this week is maybe study that Passover in the Old Testament and see what happened when the blood was applied. And then you understand that is a promise that we can apply in our lives in 2019. God can apply that into my situation, into what I am facing. Because watch this, if they didn't apply the blood, what happened was, is the death angel he killed the kid. It's literally. They woke up the next morning. And that is, I don't want to be callous this morning. And so I am very sympathetic. But can you imagine for a second that because you were not obedient and you knew the word, Amen. you woke up to found your firstborn dead. Now, we often don't get the gravity of that. We shout about Passover. We shout about that. But 
but their obedience to the command of God was determining what they got. And we find that you can easily say, now watch this, our pastor set this up for you. You can easily say, well, how, what kind of God do you serve that would kill innocent firstborns? Oh, that's a pretty good question. Brother Wilkes, let me see if I can help these people out. The reality of it is, is he didn't just get to the, that state. That was the tenth and final plague. Mm -hmm. They disobeyed nine other times before they got to that. See, that's the power of God listening to the voice of God as God will continue to escalate and elevate and over and over to get your attention to say, no, 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 you don't understand. It's going to get worse because you are not listening. And I've got to get your attention for a reason. And so in one of the earlier plays, I won't go through all of them, but in the fourth play, we find it is the flies that come. Now, although they are spiritually blind, it is not coincidence it is confirmation. And there was a confirming sign that was evident. Why did they miss it? Because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God help us for a, not have a hardened heart. That pride doesn't say, oh, I'm going to be so stubborn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my feet down here. You're not going to tell me what to do. Okay, cool. That's when you're in him. Who do you think you are? I'm just... Just showing you the Bible. I'm just telling you what God told me to tell you. But it was a confirming sign that was evident to all if you didn't have a hardened heart. For Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 9 says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteousness there is favor. He goes on to verse 12. This is what the Bible says now. Proverbs 14 and 12. This was uh, one of the Proverbs I read this week in my devotion. But if you don't highlight this, this is so good. And you may say, well, how do people mess this up? The Bible says, there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There are some people you can't tell them no matter what. If it's right in front of them, you still can't tell them that. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. It doesn't matter how you patch it. It doesn't matter what cool stories you put. It doesn't matter if you use visual illustrations. It does not matter. They still ain't going to get it yeah. because they have decided this is the right way. But the Bible says, yeah, they're going to go down that path. But guess what? The way, the result will reveal the way, whether the way was right or whether the way was wrong. And then verse 14, it goes on to say, and the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways and a good man shall be satisfied from himself that's what we've got to be careful of is deciding oh i'm going to do things my way because it's how i'm going to and that's what pharaoh said you're not going to do this unless it's by my design by my decree and we find let me hurry on that the lord confirmed his sign but not only just to everybody but to his people mm -hmm. see what's awesome is this and you can miss over this that this plague, there were no flies. This is the first plague of the, of the ones that have gone in which God's people are no longer impacted. Ooh. Can I preach for a second? See, in verse 22, when he says, but on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that there be no swarms of flies that you may 
know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. What a powerful moment to realize that the creator confirmed his work before it happened and called his people out. Can you imagine with me for a second that all of a sudden you had to deal with the Nile, the water supply turning to blood. You had to deal with frogs everywhere and you had to deal with gnats and lice. But all of a sudden God says, okay, my people have done enough. Now it's time to distinguish them from everybody else. Could you imagine if you were in Israel and said, God, why are you making me suffer too? Finally, God says, now I'm going to reveal what has been concealed by people. And that is when he said, now, not only am I going to reveal it that you don't have to deal with it, but I'm going to reveal it so you know, so I get glory out of it. Amen. That's what God wants to use in your life, is God wants to use you so he can get glory out of your situation, glory out of your life, glory out of those circumstances so that God can be used in that situation. And sometimes it's what you have and not what you don't have. And they did not have the flies. And God said, hey, I can do it. This, he said, not only are they going to have flies, he said, I'm going to tell you before, in Goshen, there's going to be no flies. The whole land and everywhere surrounding them is going to have flies, except where my people are living. Yeah. If that's not a sign. Woo. But the reason he delivered them was so that they could sacrifice and worship. Let's all stand. I'm done. Somebody say, Woo. Some of you are doing that just because you got to stand up and stretch. But if you don't uh, preach, yeah. you're see, if you preach and clap, stand up, that's a good point to stand up. Somebody, that's like, those are little stretch breaks. That's why you need to preach fast. You need to clap, 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 stand up, stretch, thank God. Oh, I sit back down. So, that's how you help out. I'm trying to help you out. So I'm like, okay. The reason, though, was not, now catch this. Catch this. The reason for them not just to be there in Goshen was to be removed. But God said, remove them out of that situation so that they may sacrifice and worship. In the middle of an affliction and bondage, they were determined to worship and sacrifice, to give their first. It's the law of first fruits. How many of you know what the law of first fruits are? Okay, three of you. I failed you as your pastor. Next next sermon. I'm not preaching for like three weeks, so can I get a little extra overtime up in this mug? Okay. Come on in. Come on. Mm. The law of the first fruits, right, is that when God gives to you, you know you're supposed to give your first and your best unto him, which is why Sunday service is so powerful, right? Sunday is the first day of the week, or so we define it, and that's why we come to church and we give our first to God, say, God, this is our worship unto you. This is what we do, right? And so it's the law of the first fruits, and you can do a little study on that. Maybe I'll preach on that in the future, but here's the problem, is that is the same thing that happens in the devil in our lives, is the devil will always try to stop your sacrifice, and he will always try to limit your giving and limit your worship. And limit your interaction. What, what did Pharaoh try to do? He tries to confine the worship by defining the parameters. What does he do? Sure, you can go worship. But here's, here's what you got to do. You can only go a few days. And at first he says, why don't you just do it here? So he says, okay, fine. I, I guess I'll let you worship. But this is the way you're going to do it. If you're going to worship, uh, you've got to do it in this nice cute little thing. And it's got to be right here. 
this way, and this is how it's got to be done. But Moses said, wait, 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 wait. If we do that, then there's repercussions. And you're not going to define our worship. Because the problem was, is they said, if we do the worship that God's calling us to worship, mm, let me preach somebody. If I worship the way I'm supposed to worship, then there will be people that stone us. Now, this is why I'm going to throw this in for free. But it's tomorrow's they're going to like this, right? There will always be people that try to throw stones at your worship when it's not cute and confined the way they think it ought to be worshiped, the way they think it ought to be worshipped. Right, Sister Almarie, there'll be people that try to say, oh, I don't like the way that she does it. She's too loud. They're too busy. That's too much. That's not my experience. Expression. Hear me today. The devil is a liar. There will always be people that try to define and confine your worship into a box. But here's what I'm going to say. Is that my worship is bigger than just what your parameters are. God's been too good for me. And you don't know like I know what he's done for me. That makes me say, God, I'll worship you regardless of what's going on. I'll worship you regardless of what they think I ought to do. And Pharaoh tries to define and confine their worship. Because if they had to worship the way they wanted to, they couldn't have worshiped the way they were told to do. See, they had to worship and give a sacrifice. Worship was an offering. So when they had to bring their sacrifice in, that wasn't just getting together for a cute church service. They weren't putting on their Sunday best. Yo, we got Sunday off. Let's go. No, 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 no. Then we going up to Popeye's. Then we're going to throw it down. Okay, no, no, no. That's how it worked out. Right, Brother Fidel? No, no. They had to go out into the wilderness. And it cost them something. Worship wasn't just something they did. It was something that cost them something. It was something they had to put into it. And so as they go and do that, Pharaoh says, no, no. If you want to go worship, uh, yeah, you can do it this way, but you can't do it the way you normally do it. And you can't do it the way God told you to do it. And so you got to do it some other way. And Moses pushes back and says, no, 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 no. We are not going to do that. And we're not going to stay here. We're going to go out into the wilderness. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than in the safe confines of someone's personal opinion. That's the worshipers clapping right there. The enemy will always attempt to define how you worship, what you worship, and where you worship. Trying to get you to worship music. Trying to get you to worship Netflix. I heard Brother Landon say, oh, you got a, you got a problem. Uh, uh, you, you got a problem with the, uh, uh, the preacher going over 20 minutes, but you ain't got a problem with a five-hour Netflix binge watch. Mm-hmm. You got a problem with a 40-minute sermon, but not a 40-minute episode of your favorite show. There we go, okay. <laughs> right? Can I get a witness, right, Buzz of ours? No help. <laughs> but that's that's a trick of the devil. Now you may say, Pastor, how do you know this? Well, Dr. Hugh, the the playbook is evident. There we go. Matthew chapter. Where has that been all this time? <laughs> holding out on somebody. We, we know that the devil, when he took Jesus up to a mountain, what did he do? He showed him all the kingdoms and their glory and said, worship me. Worship me and I'll give you all this. What is he trying to do? Tell him how to worship, what to worship, where to worship. And here, I'll even incentivize it. If you do this, he said, no, 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 no. Be careful what you give more to than, uh, more to that is above God. Be careful what we give more to that than more to God. That is idol worship. 
if I care more about this than I care about God, yeah. that is wrong worship. I'll be a strong and clear say, that is idol worship. That is the idol worship of our day. It's not to a statue. It's not to a monument. It's our actions. It's a hidden idol. It's really, really clever, actually, that the devil does that, right? When you begin to listen to more of that ungodly music that's promoting sin rather than the things of God, that is idol worship, somebody. When you're watching that stuff, that's idol worship. That's saying, oh, that's not really of God. You got to turn that mug off. But watch this. If God could call out people from the flies, which who has control over flies? That's the question I had in my devotion this week. That's what started this whole random thought that ended up into Sunday sermon. You never thought you'd probably hear a message on the Lord of the flies. And here we are, pastors cray cray, but you just keep loving me. Thanks for coming back. Next week, you got a better preacher, and then two weeks after that, you got a really good preacher, and then you're stuck with me again. But here, here we are at the moment. Now watch this. Who has control over the flies? That was what stood out to me. Nobody. Yet God controls the flies and says, you'll be here, 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 and here, but not in the middle of all of it. If God, who has control over the flies and can call his people out of bondage, he can call you out of your situation. Today, God can deliver you from anything that you're facing because he has a plan for your life and he has a perfect plan. Is anything too hard for God with every eye closed and every head bowed? I wonder if right now where you are, as I try to land the plane, land the plane, Pastor, land the plane. Here we go. If you need something from God today, I ask you, is anything too hard from God? I ponder and question as I sit there this morning and I ask you today, is there anything that you are worshiping that you have put above God? That is an idol and that is idol worship. That God, I will spend more time in this area than I will with you. If I get more excited and I give more response to that thing than to you, that is idol worship. And hear me today. The question is, is are you right with God and his plan for your life? Have you been baptized? Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Have you gone through the steps to make sure? Because if not, today is your day to begin to say, God, I want you to do that in my life. I want you not to just be Lord of the flies, but I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, we need you today, right now. And if you need something from God, I'm here today to tell you that you can get what God has for you in this place before you walk out those doors. God can begin to touch you today. I wonder if right now you would just lift your hands in the air and just begin to worship him from your heart for a second and just begin to say, God, in the name of Jesus, I need something in my life. God, I need to be a worshiper again. I need to sacrifice, God. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to cost me something. God, I don't want to just follow the confines and the parameters in which the devil will try to attempt to define me. But God, I follow your ways. 
I follow your will. God, I know that, God, you will do it as a confirmation unto me. That, God, that I may know that you are God. That I may know, Lord, of who you are. That I may know, Father, that, God, you are the God of all. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, right now, God, let your will be done, Father, I pray, in every area, in every endeavor. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do right now. In Jesus' name, God, touch us in this place. Touch these people right now. I wonder if you need something from God, if you would step out of your pew and come down to the front. I wonder if you would step out of your row and be bold to say, God.